take a moment to seek the Lord's favor again, uh, seeking his favor on his word as his bread minister tonight, and as we receive it. Heavenly Father, may your spirit inspire your word, a word that speaks to us about the marvels of your sovereignty and saving work in Jesus Christ. Be at work in us in this hour so that what's read and ministered and received may bring glory to you along with your Son and Spirit. You alone, God, three in one, we would ask that you hear it in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, we're going to turn back to Genesis 18 again. We saw this passage last week, Sunday morning. Uh, but of course, there was a number of things that we did not touch, and in fact, it's a, a good portion that we didn't read. So we're going to be going through that entire chapter, reading through it, and trying to pick out some things out of there that speak to us about indicators of, of God's covenant bond with us, ultimately in Jesus Christ, that show up in this passage. So we pick up from the very first verse of Genesis 18. We're going to read the 33 verses this evening. So Genesis 18, starting with verse 1, And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of the tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes, and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, and bowed at himself to the earth, and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourself under the tree. While I bring a morsel of bread, that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. And so they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent of Sarah and said, Quick, three seeds of fine flour, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. And then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared set before them, and as he stood by them under the tree while, excuse me, and he stood by them under the tree while they ate. And they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall, your wife shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent, the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I'm worn out, and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why does Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. And the men set out from there, and he looked down, down toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to set them on their way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? 
For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me, and if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood, stood, still stood before the Lord. And then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are... 50 righteous within the city, will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the 50 righteous who are in it? Or be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked? Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom 50 righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am dust, but dust and ashes. Suppose but five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again he spoke to him and said, Suppose forty are found there. And he answered, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. And then he said, well, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. He said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. He answered, For the sake of twenty I will not destroy it. And then he said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again. But this once, suppose ten are found there. He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Thank the Lord again for his word tonight. Bless me to know that his word stands forever. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, as I would say a few weeks ago, and I don't usually try to get too personal particular about things that have gone on in, in my own life or my family's life, but a few weeks ago, um, when we got back from vacation, my daughter said to me, Dad, the car's not running quite right, it's making a loud noise. And I don't know what it is. I said to her, well, maybe it's probably, probably a muffler or something like that that's making a noise. And I'll, I'll get in and I'll drive around a little bit and see what's going on. And uh, as I drove it around, I found out quickly it wasn't a muffler. And uh, I'm not, as you know, I'm not the Mr. Mechanic in the world. But I had a pretty good feeling because the engine seemed to sound really good. It was coming from the front. I thought, oh, it's probably a wheel bearing or something like that. So brought it to my mechanic, and sure enough, you know, like what they say, you know, flying squirrel flying to nut once in a while, and he says, it's a wheel bearing. So, well, I'm not going to change my day job, but uh, at least I had that figured out. But the reason why I thought it was that way is because there was these, these indicators, you say. Uh, there were these things about what was going on that made you say, you know, that, that kind of sounds like what would happen if a wheel bearing went out in your car. And, uh, you know, that happens in more ways, you know, and we look in our families and people say, well, I can tell that, that you're part of that family. There's indicators about that. You know, it's the way you look, it's the way you walk, it's, uh, it's the way you conduct yourself. You look like a, you know, Smith or whatever name it would be, right? Or, 
I can tell that you're friends. There's indicators about that because you care for each other. You look out for each other. You're there for each other when the, the chips are down. And that's just true about so many things in life, right? That there are certain things that when you see them, uh, you say, well, those are indications of uh, a greater problem or maybe not a problem at all, just a, a, an indicator of how things are. And we find in our passage here tonight similar things going on. There's indicators. There, there's evidences of what the covenant bond that God's people have with God in Christ look like. And they're not exhaustive in terms of those indicators, but they are certainly uh, some of the evidences that the, the covenant bond that God has established with his people are there. And so the three that we're looking at tonight are these. One is fellowship, two is revelation, and three is intercession. Uh, fellowship revelation, and intercession. So we look, first of all, as we're looking at this uh, passage, uh, we're, we're considering uh, this bond that we see with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we find these uh, people who have come and, uh, and these men who have shown up, we, we see this fellowship that's taking place. Uh, in this passage, we conclude that we have in, in these three visitors who have come to Abraham, uh, in essence, it, it appears that it would be two angels and the Lord himself in a special appearance as, as this dialogue is taking place uh, among these three visitors and with Abraham. And there's some noteworthy elements here. First of all, we see a meal that is provided to the visitors by Abraham. It's a meal that is partaken by the Lord himself. Now, now Abraham himself doesn't eat from the meal, but it, but it does tell us something about the bond that has come before the Lord and the believer. The Lord is willing to associate with man in this condescending manner. And, and this is how far things have come in the fellowship between the Lord and Abraham, with whom he has made covenant, which the scriptures would even say in various places, like Isaiah 41, 2 Chronicles 20, James 2, that he was a friend of God. That Abraham was a friend of God. Uh, and this out of uh, faith in the promises that God had made to him. And you take this, this thought and you bring it into a, a New Testament point of view. You know, the joy of the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is is that God is willing to dwell with us. Yeah, he's willing to come to our level, to condescend, even to call us his friends as one who's willing to die for us and, and who says to us, and you are our friends if you do what I command. But he comes to our level by becoming flesh so that, that we might, through his mediation, know the fellowship and friendship of God. That's remarkable that we might be in right relationship with him. Such is the joy of, of Christ's birth, after all. He'll be called Emmanuel, which is God with us, but literally with us, with us is God. How can this be? Apart from the condescending love and power of the covenant God. And beyond this, we see how the covenant has affected Abraham. 
as an alien and stranger himself in the land in which he lives. Here come those who are known as strangers or visitors. But as one who knows what it is to be a stranger in the land, he's willing to practice hospitality towards these individuals. He didn't know immediately that he was, that he was entertaining angels, but, but he understood the need to be a blessing where he could be. The Lord Jesus has said in Matthew 25, 35, that, that there would be times when we would encounter people who would be hungry. And, and one of those things that would show us to be sheep of his covenant pasture is that we would be willing to feed them. And mentioning particularly brothers in the faith. For in the feeding of them, the least of these, my brothers, they were in essence feeding the Lord himself. And such hospitality connects us not only then with each other as Christians, but with our Christ himself, who was willing to associate with us for our salvation. Such character, then, uh, is a mark of those who are in covenant bond with God in Christ. It's an indicator. And, and how different Abraham's way, we're going to be seeing that in due time, of course, we look through these chapters, but how different Abraham's way was with the visitors than the way that Sodom and Gomorrah treated these visitors when they came there. It was a contrasting a kind of attitude and action. The spirit of blessing and, uh, that is seen in Abraham's act is meant to distinguish us from the world. And, and why wouldn't it when we have known God's blessing in Christ? And, and this is, so this is part of what we see going on here, this, this fellowship that's happening uh, as an indicator of the covenant blessings uh, that have come, covenant bonds that are uh, ours in Jesus Christ. But there's another display of that covenant bond, and that's seen in the revelation of the Lord to his people. It's not just in, in God's willing to condescend, it's not just in the hospitality that was taking place, but it's seen in the revelation of the Lord to his people whether they always appreciated it or not, it was there. And one of the reasons that the Lord comes to Abraham, after all, is to reveal to him, for the sake of his wife, Sarah, that she would receive a son in the following years. In chapter 17, we hear of that already, but Sarah wasn't in earshot of it. Names have been changed already, the circumcisions have been done in the household, it's marked with the covenant promise. And still, yet, nevertheless, Sarah laughs. She laughs at the idea that God can do for her what was humanly impossible to do. And that underscores the name Isaac, of course, to be given to the child of the promise. Laughter, reminding people always that what makes people laugh in unbelief is altogether possible with God. 
And of course, the problem, of course, and it's not just Sarah's problem, but it's, it's the problem of, of humanity, isn't it? Um, is that the gods that people often choose are, are way too small. They're too small to, to forgive the deepest of sins or the quantity of sins. They're too, too, too small to overcome unbelief. Uh, too small to be gracious through all things, to believe that, that he can be gracious through all things. Too small to be, to be any different than fickle or sinful mankind. Those are, those are gods that people choose. The disciples ask if it's difficult for a rich man to be saved, who can be? And Jesus says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Is God, as the pastor says, too small to bring forth a son in one's old age? Is it too hard for him to cause a virgin to conceive and bear a son? Save his people from their sin, that they, from which they could not save themselves? And then reign over everything, all the time, and in every way? Is he that small? Hardly. Impossible with man, possible with God. One of the revelations that is to be most precious for the covenant community, and we touched on that more in a focused way last time, of course, is to be reminded of just how large and how valuable, how precious God really is. I've heard children sing the song, God is big. He really is. He's able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine. And he is so big that he can change our lives from death to life, from hopelessness to hopefulness. And he can change not only our lives when we're in faith for his purposes, but he can change the lives of others who are in unbelief by his spirit and by his word. And he's so powerful that he only needs the Holy One of Israel, Jesus Christ, to bring about deliverance. That's all. But that's plenty. God can do things with many or a few when it comes to delivering his people. He can even use you. Yeah. Or me. <laughs> As his workmanship. To do good works. He planned beforehand that you should walk in them. Yeah. He can use you for his purposes. He can use me. Who, me? Yes, you. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? In the Revelation, we're told that God will not conceal his purposes to him. He's not going to hide things. He's not going to keep us in the dark. And it, it's that way whether it has to do with his grace. He's talking about the son of the promise who's coming, that through that seed all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Or whether it comes to judgment when it comes to Sodom and Gomorrah. God's going to reveal. God is going to show the way. 
God's going to show the path so that there is a path down which not only we can walk, but we can say to our children, you walk that way too. You need to. Now, we don't know every single way that the Lord is going to act out of providence. But we don't, as we mentioned last time too, we don't have to act like we're in the dark when it comes to how to raise our children. Because he gives us his word. He reveals us. That's an indicator of God's covenant bond with us. It's the world that doesn't know. It's God's people who do. He's not going to leave them in the dark. He's not going to conceal his purposes to us. We have his word as did Abraham. And in receiving that word, it was possible then for Abraham, as one of the chosen of God, to teach his children in the ways of God. Because God didn't leave the path uncharted. And we've got that privilege today as well. And that's when we're under the covenant bond of God in Christ. He doesn't leave us in the dark about faith and life, about righteousness and justice. We don't have to act as if God needs to bring something extra to us so we can know the path. As those who are called to covenant faith in Christ, one of the things that we're called to do those so-called is to pass the revelation of the Lord along to our offspring. And that is one of the ways that our covenant bond with God goes on display. We are teachers ourselves of our children. We don't just give it to somebody else to do. We do it under the direction of God under the direction of the covenant God. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to be chosen by him. It's a privilege for us to be able to teach our children about the marvels of our God, who if we were to talk of them all, there would be more than can be told. We can tell our children about God's grace, and we can warn them about God's judgment, and we can remind them that God is both merciful and just, and you can trust him in all of it. So that's another indicator that we have, we have uh, of the covenant bonds in Christ that's on display here. You have, you have fellowship going on, you have revelation that's taking place, but then you also have intercession, don't you? We have in our passage the intercession of Abraham that follows the hosting of Abraham. And in this passage, we, we certainly see a believer who is concerned for God's people in an evil place. But we also see one who shows himself to be the intercessor of sinners, a friend of sinners to a point. 
to a point. And when we're in covenant ties with God, we can be that kind of intercessor, can we not? Now, it's but a faint reflection of unique intercession that Christ has been for us when we're believers, who, who has made intercession, as we read, uh, or at least I prayed about it, in Isaiah 53. He, he made intercession for the transgressor, who is the friend of sinners like no other, who continues to intercede our cause in heaven above. That intercession is unique. And he's the only one who can provide that kind of intercession for us, that precious intercession for us, and that's our calling to believe that. However, because Christ has made that intercession so that we're in covenant bond with Christ, uh, in God with Christ, we can be intercessors. And we can be concerned for those in Christ. But we can also be concerned for those who are not. For those who are wayward. And we, don't, we do that not as those who know it better than God, or know God better than he knows himself, but who know that God is merciful and just. Abraham's prayers weren't in vain. First of all, they were God-glorifying. They were submissive to God's purposes and will. And though Sodom was not spared from God's wrath, God did spare Lot for the sake of the intercession. And, and we look at that situation with Sodom and we say, well, yeah, you know, Sodom got what it deserved. But what do we deserve? It's too easy to forget in our lives as we battle against sin that faith of the grace of God, there go I. And we're often tempted to live as if we deserve so much, and therefore we have every right to demand so much from God, from others, and that's really, of course, the spirit of the world. We have so much coming to us. We deserve it. We have it coming to us, but, but, but what do we deserve? Anything less than what Sodom received? No, worse than what Sodom received. That was temporal judgment. What an eternal judgment. What, what keeps us from that? What kept Peter from such a fate? <coughs> the Lord said, I have interceded for you. The devil would like to sift you like wheat. His prayers, to be sure, but, but even more deeply, his, his willingness to come to earth, take God's wrath upon himself. It should have landed on him. That's what we remembered this morning. And that's why Abraham because he knew that intercession, ultimately Christ could pray to God as an intercessor, to be like Christ. 
And that's why he could commune with him in prayer. It's because of what Christ would do for him in intercession that Abraham could be an intercessor. And it's because of Christ that, that he could have that bond with God and therefore be an intercessor for the, for the righteous and for the ungodly. Such then is what we, when we're Christians, are, are called to display. It's, it's an indicator of our covenant bond in Christ. We're called to intercede for one another. We're called to intercede for the lost. It's not that we are going to end up saving them, but because we know who can. The same one who saved us. Believers who have known the bond of God in Christ, the intercessor, will be intercessors. So, these are some of the ways that we see God's covenant bond with believers on display. Fellowship, revelation, and in terms of intercession. And when we consider in terms of Christ coming to earth in Bethlehem, when we consider them all in that, we can rejoice greatly in what God has done. He has come to fellowship with us so that we in turn can show fellowship to him by being a blessing to others. He has shown in Christ's coming that nothing's impossible with God, including our salvation, his fellowship with us in Christ, and his using us. Mentioning in our passage particularly the importance of teaching our children about the ways of God, revealing those things to them. And because Christ has come, in faith we come to know his intercession. And we can express intercession on behalf of believers and unbelievers. Revelation. I should tell you to start back. Fellowship, revelation, intercession. This is what happens. These are indicators that we're in the bond covenant God. A God that we're called to believe can do exceedingly more than all that we can ask or imagine in Christ because what's impossible with man is possible with God. What good news for us may we receive it as such. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, the good news is again before us blessings and the indicators of our covenant bonds with you are, are made evident to us. The fellowship that you have with us, condescending to us in your Son, by your Spirit, and your fatherly care for us. The fellowship that we can express in hospitable ways. The revelation that you grant to us. You don't leave us in the dark about grace or justice or judgment. You've called us to pass that along ourselves, especially to our children as we are so blessed, but to reveal the good things that you have done for us and that you are in Christ Jesus. And, and then also to be interceding, Lord, for one another, to be in intercession for the lost, 
uh, that you might, by your might and power and your means, by your gospel, bring about salvation, and at the same time recognizing, Lord, that where people are aloof to this, yes, indeed, judgment awaits. But thank you, Father, when these indicators of your bond with us in Christ are evident. May we find that to be so in our own lives each and every day. We'd ask that you hear us in Christ's name. Amen.